Glad you join us at this episode of the Marketing Ops Now podcast series. Do you know that feeling? The feeling of marketing ops being the wishing well of the company? There's this flood of incoming requests for campaigns, updates, system access, report updates. It just never ends. Today we'll talk about exactly that. Where does marketing ops end and where does it start? Well, let's put it this way. What topics come with a marketing ops territory? What are we actually responsible for? Today we're talking about marketing ops responsibilities. What comes with the territory and where should we say no to? Because marketing ops is a jack of all trades and easily we can be uh, flooded by a lot of requests from inside and outside the department. So I'm here now today with Rolf to talk about exactly those topics, what comes with the territory and whatnot. Welcome, Rolf. Great to have you back. <laughs> Thanks, Rolf. My pleasure. Yeah, if we talk about this very important subject, I would say, maybe life-saving, health-saving every now and then for people to be able to say no to uh, requests or yes and do a great job. So how can we help these people out? What type of topics do, you, do come to mind? How to structure marketing tech data or the way into data-driven marketing in the right way since um, from my perspective of the last 20 years the bigger companies are the bigger the projects are sometimes you get the notion that projects have the tendency to burn out people so projects go wrong they're over optimistic being planned or understaffed or you don't have the right subject matter experts with you and stuff like that so i do think the whole notion of marketing operations makes pretty much sense in terms of structuring the, the selection implementation the right way, which has something to do with processes, with data, with budgets, with tech, but also with people in terms of making it work in your organization. And what's interesting for me, Franz, out of the marketing tech monitor interviews we've been just con or we just concluded, we found two perspectives or trends. One is everybody looking into customer centricity, yeah? Everything which is outbound, yeah. How do I get more, the most of the touch points from my, with my customer, with sort of engagement rates and stuff like that? And the second piece is where companies are taking much more focus than ever before is on all internal processes. So one perspective is externally, the other is internally, and the internal notion is all goes via marketing operations. It's about processes, data, tech, and the implementation and getting people behind. So it's not only using technology, but really making it work in an organization. Wow, that sounds like a great summary. And I think you touched upon many of the subjects that in preparation of our uh, podcast series we've discussed already. So I, I, I like it. So in summary, we could say people, process, budget, data and tech. And, and, and maybe it would be great if you could touch upon each of those. Where would you like to start? <laughs> so it's a tricky question, but let, let's get started with the process layout. Since in, in many of the cases, the processes are not clear. Number one, today's processes, so existing processes, as well as what are the use cases scenarios you would like to run in your business model or future business model than in future. So everything around clarity on processes, activities, roles, responsibilities around processes, and not only within marketing, but also How are the interfaces looking into sales, into from marketing, into IT, into category management, or also into trade marketing? 
Um, in particularly, if you have a retail company, category management is a driving force in many retail companies. So you need to have some sort of close alignment also with the category management. So as I said, my mother would have said, do your homework first son, and it's just starting with pure processes. Okay, that's a very good start. And would you say to implement that, would people from marketing ops need to define workflows or service level agreements, internal ones, or maybe with suppliers as well to to make sure we streamline these processes? Um, absolutely, yes. But the point is, before we get started with service level agreements and workflows and things like that, first of all, let's get clarity about our processes on different layers from level one to four. Since um, if we just start with service level agreements, we are, from my perspective, already one step too deep. So first of all, let's get and let's have clarity. Let's have clarity around roles and responsibilities around processes before we go into workflows and more, even more detailed things. I see. So now we're touching upon a different pillar and topic uh, from Marketing Ops, which is roles and responsibilities and people. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's roles, responsibilities, it's people. And also on the process side, I need to have clarity on roles and responsibilities. But before that, probably I will touch another pillar, and this is everything around data. So what we've seen also in the marketing tech monitor, it's at only something like 20% of companies say they are data ready. 20%. So if you look back for the last 25, 30 years around CRM, we've been discussing about data readiness all over the place. Yeah? To say um, we need to aggregate data on different layers and all that stuff. And even still today, only 20% come back and say we are data ready. So what's missing is sometimes a data strategy, data strategy in omni-channel. It's uh, what are data models, what are the right ways to aggregate data, how can I also get uh, personalized data, in particularly as e-privacy is taking place, Google has been building up their sandbox, so it will be more and more more tricky to collect all the third-party data. So, it, so the second notion based on processes from my perspective would be everything around data. We need to get our hands around data. If you talk about data, you touch upon uh, customer data, first-party data, etc. Is it also uh, financial data, operational data? And, and how would you structure such a uh, strategy approach? Is it, is it, the data probably have different angles. Number one is, as you say, it's first-party data, for sure, personalized data. On the other side, but also talking to fast-moving consumer good um, producers is everything around customer studies and data normally Nielsen, Erie, GFK would have been provided. Pretty often, those data points are just produced in terms of studies. Those studies are just PowerPoint, 180 pages or something like that, and it's not just consumable. It's not there in retail, not consumable. So we, besides of personalized data, we also need to look into market research data, make it available in a more consumable way. And last but not least, also the budget data. Um, if I look for the third layer, probably everything around budget, it's in the majority of cases, budget is just taken care of in ERP systems. Yeah? Budget, it's admin, it's back office. Instead of having budget also as some sort of living tool and not just being bound to do yearly budgeting processes, but the living tool to say how much budget is available, how can we use it best, and what's the best value and benefit we can get out of our budgets. 
So besides of personalized data and market research data, it's also on budget. One example, we've been working lately for a travel transport company. They have a marketing spend, I guess, of 120 or 130 million euros a year. And the entire budget management is being distributed, number one, in the ERP system, cost center. And then secondly, operationally, it's just in an ERP, it's just in an Excel interface. So even large amounts of monies and budgets are still being administered. And so we need to make it as a living tool and not just some sort of Excel file, which is, li which is living on one of the, their servers. This is also where we now touch upon uh, marketing resource management systems to support uh, budget management. And yeah, it keeps surprising me how little focus still we have on budget management, meaning ERP uh, view on marketing budgets, which is I literally heard a CFO say, I give them 20 million and they spend it and then it's okay. Uh, and below that 20 million, we don't have an idea what they're doing. And that's exactly where the MRM tooling comes in. So yeah, but, but, but building on that, what you said, Franz, interesting for me is also we also ask a bunch of CMOs, in particular fast-moving consumer goods industries, are you aware and familiar with MRM? I guess MRM the notion is around the last 10, 15 years, something like that. Only a handful, I guess 10 or 15 percent came back and said, yes, we know MRM, the concept of MRM. And we know some sort of function and features which are behind MRM. So even if we've been talking about some of those concepts for a pretty long time, they're still not familiar with um, those respective companies. I think we have to change that. Uh, but I also think we have uh -huh. to talk about maybe uh, because we now we entered the, the budget. Uh, we went smoothly from process to data and now to budget. I really love that. Would you say that marketing ops is responsible for calculating the return on marketing uh, investment? Based on you as marketing operations, you're providing the platforms. Then you have somebody probably in marketing reporting analytics who is taking care also for performance management and attribution. So basically, yes, if, if the role then will be centered around marketing operations, I'm not sure about that, but basically in terms of providing the platform, providing the, the content and the data points, from my perspective, absolutely yes. But also saying this, you also should be responsible for the tech, the tech landscape, the application landscape, and how the application landscape then has to evolve over time. So it's not only reporting, but also say, how should an underlying infrastructure evolve over time? So now we move smoothly to uh, technology, which is also a topic for marketing operations, which is not only there to help us to do a better job, but also to provide the data. This is where a lot of things come together because those tools are collecting data, but we don't need all that data. So how, how, what would a good data structure uh, look like that we capture through our technology? <laughs> I guess if I could give you this answer um, on a generic layer, um, I would take millions. I do think what you need to do in your respective company, develop your own sort of data strategy to say which sort of data elements and bits and pieces we need to get collected together. Number two is which sort of sort of the, which sort of data maintenance should be implemented. Everybody now currently is yelling for CDPs. I'm not sure if CDPs is in the option by itself or if it's already the solution. But it, it's basically everybody needs to define their data strategy. And interesting, going hand in hand with data and technology for me is all the as coming back again all the interviews we've been doing is what's interesting. 
the more know-how organizations have when it comes to marketing operations and marketing tech and the way into data-driven marketing, the more they are focusing on best-of-breed solutions. So the more equipped you are, the more competent you are, the more you're looking into best-of-breed. Um, on the other side, the less know-how you have, the less experiences you have, the more you're going more in the best-of-suite perspective. So what will be happening in the future, we need to have more competencies coming to the table, um, aggregating more diversity or diverse data points, plus also having uh, some sort of spaghetti architecture underneath because more and more you will have differentiated tools, best of breed tools for covering your specific requirements. Oh, I love that uh, example. Indeed, uh, the spaghetti example I've, I've heard every now and then. And somebody then one day told me, we shouldn't have spaghetti, we should have lasagna, nicely layered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but, but the reality in the majority of companies is it's just spaghetti, it's not lasagna. True. And what you need to find also, talking about marketing operations, a, a transformation map to transform spaghetti into lasagna for the future. So um, structure the application landscape, see um, how it should evolve over time, which sort of applications need to be implemented anew, which sort of applications might be kicked out. So and it's, it's all part of marketing operations, which is also heavily and closely linked then into IT. And also with IT is um, finding some sort of service-oriented architectures, integration architectures, how to get all these different spaghetti pieces then together. That's great. I would like to refer to a podcast I've done with Scott Brinker about navigating MarTech. And we discussed the pace layered model from uh, Gartner here. So that, that is that lasagna structure, uh, I would say, like system of records, system of differentiation, system of innovation. And, yeah. and maybe the last five to 10 minutes of our podcast, I would love to dedicate some time on people, staff, talent, uh, management, and you called it implementation. I, I was intrigued by that. Yeah, we've been, we've been asking all the, in those interviews, looking back in the last implementations you've been doing, where did you spend your time wisely or where should you put more focus into? So one finding is, number one is, only 20% more or less of companies are really satisfied with the time they've been spending on implementation to say, well, we did everything right. In the majority of the cases, it's pretty much to say, well, we did not spend too much time about implementation, rollout, training, change management, finding the right project structures, getting all the experts on board. And there have been two things which still are in my mind. Number one is automotive manufacturing. People said, well, we have problems getting the subject matter experts into the project because the line, their respective line managers come back and say, why should I waste one of my best resources in your project while the outcome of this project, number one, is not known to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm doubtful if it will be successful or not. Number two, is this person is missing on other subjects and, and tasks. And number three, this overarching project is not in my hands. So if I give my best guys to you, so what is the benefit for me as a line manager of this person? Number one. Number two is um, we don't have the skills. One implementation, fast-moving consumer good company, everything has been done like in the, in the textbook, in the standards. User acceptance testing, integration testing, functional testing. So everything has been done fairly well with all whistles and belts, and everybody was extremely pleased. 
Then we implemented it, and everyone said, oh, holy shit, now we really need to work with it. Oh, yes, oh, holy shit. So it's basically everything around change management and change management, not saying, I'm going to send you 20 pages of PowerPoint, but really making it work. And there are some wonderful tools in the market. I'm uh, Currently, I'm a fan of Lego Series Play. So whoever has worked with Se Lego Series Play, you have some sort of playful way to get people connected to tools, change processes, and let them understand how the new way of working might be looking like. So you need to find clever ways to get people engaged, being supportive for the use of new technologies and new processes. I do think that pretty often the discussions is the whole notion of people and change management is written on PowerPoint charts, but if you look in the, pro in the projects, it's not really financed. And if some budgets need to be cut, the first thing which you're going to skip is everything around communication and change management. So the pain point is, if you want to be successful, it's all about the, the issue getting it being workable in the organization. Oh, wow. I, I think we closed the loop here with process um, where we started. Completely. Because this is, I think, with the cross-functional teams, the subject matter experts, it's part of agile marketing, maybe as a solution. What would you say? My concern is with agile marketing, agile is taken as a phrase to justify everything currently. Yeah? Oh, let's be agile. I'm not sure if, if this is really, that's not the idea behind agile, that's number one. And number two is, um, I would like to make it pretty handsome, pretty operational to say, what are the steps to just make marketing operations and new processes and tools work? If it's agile or not, that's on a different plate. And what we need to get in into the hearts and minds of people to say, hey, that's cool. I love it. I would like to test it. And this has nothing to do with function and features and structured process procedures, but more or less to say, how can I open your heart so that you get addicted to new way of working, new way of tool set which you're going to implement? So it's what you say, agile, yes, but um, there's something before, and this is how to reach persons and not functionally with PowerPoints, but really their hearts and minds. I agree. And of course, agile has been abused. And uh, I, I remember talking to a client and they said, yeah, we, we have become agile. So I said, what's the difference? Oh, if I want to talk to John, I just walk over. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure if that's agile. Yeah. I had another company which said, yes, we are now agile. Um, what are you doing? Yes, we have now daily stand-ups. Okay, that's good. What are you doing? Yes, we always meet in the morning at nine o'clock or so, and we have a stand-up and we meet each other in the coffee corner. Okay. And what are you doing there? Yes, we just discuss a little bit about what we're going to do over the day. Okay, so the only thing which is which is taken over and which is taken care of is having coffee and meet in the morning. Yeah, that's that's indeed not a well-implemented agile strategy. I have one final question that came to mind while you're answering the the different topics and covering the different topics. All these areas like people, process, budget, data, and tech. We as marketing ops are supposed to bring structure into that, but structure is really a, I would link it to long-term vision uh, and stamina, as opposed to the campaigns and the artwork that has to go out today. So that's really short-term. So how, how to balance those two extremes? Um, I do think you need different sorts of competencies coming to the table. And one sort of competency we just discussed is everything around marketing ops is 
processes, data, technology, implementation, people, getting budgets, so all the internal, say, orchestration behind. The other part certainly will be more the creative part, how to reach persons, how to reach consumers. As I said before, it's more the external part on looking into customer centricity and reaching customers with creative assets and so forth. I do think, also based on my experiences, those are two different sorts of persons also, since normally persons working in marketing operations, I'm not sure that those guys are the most creative persons on this planet, but it's more they are looking on processes and structures, which is completely contradictory to creative persons. You agree with me on that? 100%. So you need to balance. At, at, at the end, marketing op- operations is some sort of how to get an orchestra together and those different players should play together in, in the best way to create some sort of song um, where everybody in the organization chips in and says, yes, I would like to be part of this orchestra. And it's basically building platforms for new orchestras to to get starting their performance. Yeah, that's a nice uh, metaphor. I, I often think of the fixing the plane while flying metaphor. Uh, <laughs> trying not to crash and see uh, where we will uh, land and expand. Um, thank you so much for your wisdom, your experiences, uh, for sharing them and um, looking forward to our next podcast. Thank you so much, Ralph.